Rudolph tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. And one of our favorite guests of all time is back with us. L.A. Marzulli is here and uh, his website. You'll want to check it out. Write this down, lamarzuli.net, And that's where you can get his all of his great new DVDs about the so-called mound builders. We'll be talking about that tonight, UFOs, California fires, earthquakes, and a lot more. L.A., good to have you with us, sir. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me on, Jim. Hey, I've got to ask you, I don't know if you heard any of my opening segment, but I'm sure you're aware of this story this week about ABC News and this hot mic moment where they yep. admitted yep. that three years ago they spiked this story about Epstein. And I speculated yep. in my first segment that I think this whole child abuse, sexual predator thing is rampant probably among these elite people. And she explained why they spiked it, because they were trying to negotiate to be able to uh, interview, I believe it was Kate Middleton, and if they exposed Prince Andrew, they were going to lose that interview. So for trading for access, they will overlook child sexual abuse. This is unreal. I saw it when it came out. I posted it up on my blog. Um, I didn't do a rant about it yet, but I probably will. What is amazing about this, Epstein was murdered. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, the cameras in the hallway suddenly stop working. The guards are asleep. His cellmate is moved. You know, he hangs himself with a bed sheet. How was that done? But the forensic clearly show that he was definitely strangled. Um, it's a whole thing reeks to high heaven. Uh, you know, is Clinton implicated? I mean, who knows? She was on a show and then the, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. And so Kimmel asked her, you know, how did you kill Je Jeffrey Epstein? And she just throws her head back and laughs like it's, Oh, isn't that funny? I mean, really? I mean, can you imagine any of us being asked a question like that? Well, and I you mean, know that that someone, question was probably, and all of the questions that she would have been asked on a show like that, I'm sure were vetted in advance. Yeah. So, so she would have agreed to sure be asked were. that question and then would laugh like that. But this is like, this is what the elite do. They'll put it right in your face. And and I know people want to laugh at those of us that think that there is a, quote, you know, media a group, a conspiracy among the media to have a common oh, narrative and suppress certain stories. But you've got to believe that, you know, how many people knew about that hot mic moment that apparently everybody knew about it at ABC. And that's a secret too big to keep. So you got to think that everybody probably knew about it at all the major networks. And, and even going back to the original conviction of Epstein in 2008, when he got like a few months in jail and he had 16 yeah, hours a day, he got day 
day release of 16 hours a day, only had to go back to the jail at night to sleep. And they, they gave him his own private section of the jail at the Palm Beach jail. He didn't even go to a real prison. And and then you look at all the famous people on those flight logs and, and Bill Clinton on there 26 sure. times. Uh, man, oh, man, something there's so much more to this. And maybe we'll never know. Well, isn't it convenient that the whole thing has basically been buried once again until the ABC News <clears throat> hot mic clip, you know, aired? Uh, and this, this, you know, the, I forget uh, Robark or Crowbark, whatever her name is, I forget. But um, you know, the bottom line is, she states on the record that we had it all. I had it all three years ago, and they put the kibosh on it. So you got to we have to ask ourselves, what's really going on here? We have a media that isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's no longer a watchdog. It's basically a fifth column of the Democratic Party. It's in cahoots with God knows what. Um, they just they just create literally fake news out of nowhere, and they do it over and over again. And it, it's like we are living in a Stalinesque slash Nazi-type media, state-run or deep state-run controlled propaganda machine. I mean, you know, complete with Greta Thunberg with the little pigtails, uh, or braids rather, coming over here and telling us how dare us, you know, with this climate change. Please go back to your own country and, 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 you know, stay over there. That girl is, I'm telling you, that girl, that girl, that girl gives me the creeps. I shouldn't say that, but she's like something out of a a horror movie that her, uh, her, her voice and everything else. I'll tell you, just that's, that's just crazy. I want to talk about the mound builders in a minute, but I noticed on your blog that you had a blog uh, about a recent interview you did about Bigfoot. And I didn't really know that you ever Mm -hmm. really went there really. uh, And, and there's so many different theories about Bigfoot. Um, I'm convinced there is something because there's too many people that have made reports about this. Um, I'm, I'm one that thinks Bigfoot is probably an interdimensional creature of some sort, but uh, you probably know way more than I do. What are your thoughts on Bigfoot? It's The more I get into it, the more chilling it becomes. I interviewed Scott Carpenter, who actually spent nine years uh, in the bush tracking these things down. And his book, uh, we may actually publish it. We're kind of working with, with Scott now. He self-published the thing, but I'd like to take this because the book basically um, talks about that, in his opinion, these are Nephilim. These are modern-day Nephilim. And they are they're everywhere, and they're there for a purpose, and I won't get into that right now because it's, it's huge speculation, but they may be called to do things uh, by, by, by the dark side that tie into the whole Revelation scenario. Wow, and uh, it's 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 chilling, absolutely chilling. And his book is a, a sort of a must read. We had him on the show. Again, we're we're kind of talking about self public or you know publishing it for him on Spiral of Life and, and 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 actually doing. He's got a lot of photographs, and you know they're all in black and white right now, and they're very small and fuzzy. And what I would like to do that's why we want to have an editor go through the book and 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 do an eight and a half by eleven, so the photographs are really big. So we can get really good uh, quality of stuff and people can see for themselves what's going on. But, yeah, I mean, the phenomenon's real. I mean, there's no doubt about it, like everything else. And, you know, what's really funny, you know, 30 years ago, I was talking about the shadow government. Now it's called the deep state. and It's all over the news media. You know, 40 years ago, I was banging the drum about UFOs. And I've written, you know, countless books. Well, not countless, but I've written 13 books that are, that are directly involved with the UFO phenomenon or, you know, talks about it indirectly, but 
I've been, I've been, you know, this. I've been bagging this drum. Now it's like, you know, on Tucker Carlson and it's becoming some, somewhat accepted. Well, the same thing with Bigfoot. And all this hails back to a supernatural worldview, all of it. And, you know, we, we live in a non-supernatural post-Christian era where there is no supernatural. And for those of us who are frank supernaturalists, we are on the fringe of society. However, what's happening, as I just stated, on, on shows like Tucker Carlson, UFOs have become mainstream. You know, so now with tabloid has become has become mainstream. So it it just amazes me that there's something going on with Bigfoot, just like the elongated skulls in Peru, just like the mysterious Malmoogers, which we've got you know three films on, and we're we're working number number four right now, which will probably come out maybe before Christmas if we're lucky. Don't know, but soon it'll be out, and that's on the uh, the DNA results of elongated skulls. All this ties back to the uh, deception of the prince of the power of the air. It's all cooked out of Hell's Kitchen, as Russ Dizdar would call it. And so it's complex, but it's there. And for those people that want to hear the entire interview about Bigfoot, you need to go to L.A. Marzulli, and his last name is spelled M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I. So it's L.A. Marzulli dot wordpress dot com and there's a if you just scroll down the page a little bit you'll see where that is a blog post there you can uh, watch that interview and then also at the top of the page there's a link to acceleration radio which will give you more information about the regular ongoing show and uh, I'm assuming are most of your past shows available to people to be able to listen to as well yeah you can just go to my YouTube channel and there's, you know, lots and lots of content there. And that YouTube channel is L.A. Marzulli. Very good. And then your speaking schedule, there's a link also at lamarzulli.wordpress.com for the speaking schedule. Uh -huh. And then lamarzulli.net. I was over there today looking around, and there is a deal, folks. And uh, you know me, I'm always looking for a deal. Uh, there is a deal where you can get three videos it would normally be like $60, but you can get the three videos for $30, which is really great. It's only like $10 a video. All the whole series on the uh, the latest three videos on the, the mound builders, the mysterious mound builders, the mathematical mysteries of the mound builders, and then the voices from the other side, secrets of the supernatural. There's a package over there. And then all of the other products are over there as well at lamarzuli.net. I also want to ask you about um, another topic to go in a different direction, which is Mothman. You and I have talked about Mothman uh. before. In fact, we did a video together where Mothman came up and it ended up with that video about strange trumpet sounds from the sky is like 800,000 views or something on that video. But people are starting to talk more about Mothman. And it's it's I don't it's not just me imagining it because I listen to a lot of Internet radio and this is now becoming a buzz like that more and more people are seeing Mothman are reporting this creature and you have some thoughts on Mothman. Are you hearing like a resurgence of buzz about Mothman? You know, we studied Mothman. I mean, I, I've never been there and it's on the bucket list to go to uh, uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. But I interviewed uh, and was interviewed um, by different people about it. I've studied it and, and um, you know, sort of know the inside skinny of it. But, um, you know, people like Linda Scarberry, who passed away just a few years ago, um, and others uh, had encounters with this thing. In fact, there's one 
one gentleman um, that I interviewed, he became a, a missionary. His name escapes me at the moment. I'd have to go back and actually look at one of the books. It's years ago that, that um, I interviewed this gentleman. But he was the only person on record that had victory over Mothman. And what I mean by that is he was a born-again spiritual Christian, and he had heard about this thing manifesting in 66, 67, and Point Pleasant, and he immediately thought it was uh, demonic. So one night he's laying in bed, and uh, he rolls over, looks out the window, and looks back, and at the edge, at the foot of the bed, there's Mothman just standing there, literally, just standing there. And he's petrified, he can't move, and uh, um, he finally is able to think the name of Jesus. And as he begins to say the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the Lord rebuke you, the thing just vanishes in front of him. And, you know, he came on the record and told us that. And once again, he, he knew spiritual warfare. He knew that there's a name above all other names. And when he uttered that, he had victory over this thing. Other people like Linda Scarberry and her husband, by the way, her husband has never come on the record. Well, Linda's dead now. She died several years ago. It was a long, slow decline, which is just typical of the enemy, Rob killing and destroying. And unfortunately, the town has erected a statue of this thing in the middle of, of, of the town. Um, you know, instead of like, uh, it just amazes me, instead of doing exactly the opposite, um, you know, going going against this thing, praying against it, getting the pastors of the town together and, and doing spiritual warfare, they, they erect a statue in the middle of the town, go figure. We've heard some reports over the years of Mothman sightings, but I've, I've had nothing recent come across my desk at all. They were, they were, uh, I, I have a lot of uh, family in Chicago. I'm from Chicago. And of all places, there was quite a few sightings. I think it was about a year ago in the Chicago area okay. uh, of, of this creature. And I think that your theory was in the past that this is some kind of a, a demonic creature, uh, you know, some kind of a fallen oh, yeah. angel, uh, wings in the whole nine yeah. yards. But, but obviously the way yeah. it's described, Absolutely. this is not, we're not talking about Gabriel here. This is, uh, definitely some sort of a demon no. that, that has this, this physical appearance. And as you said, everyone that, that encountered Mothman, uh, these stories are that they, these people like, you know, ended up having strange deaths or they went insane. Uh, and, and this one story you're sharing, you know, might be the only one, but it, uh, where somebody was, uh, delivered from this, but you're, you're right. It is bizarre. They they have a statue to this creature. They have an annual in September a Mothman festival. There is a Mothman museum yeah. in town. Um, you know, and I get it. Everybody's after the tourist dollar, and maybe that town has kind of nothing else going for it. But I don't think if you go to uh, upstate New York, there's there's like the you know Amityville Horror is like uh, turned into an annual festival <laughs> <laughs> in that town. I mean, there's certain things yeah, you yeah. you know they don't turn Boulder into like the John Benet Ramsey festival each year. I mean, you, there's certain things you like quietly let history, you know, sweep away. And this would certainly be, you know, one of those that, that you wouldn't want to have a, a regular uh, reminder of, especially with a statue of all things in, in the town square. Yeah, I, I, I completely concur. This is, uh, um, I believe it was a fallen angel that manifested. There's a principality over that area. Uh, the area was cursed by Chief Cornstalk. But it was also an area that, you know, is, is sort of steeped in um, uh, a lot of a lot of bloodletting, uh, a lot of nonsense went on there. So it's it's definitely strange. And there are also covens in the area. I mean, there's also 
witches and covens and warlocks doing their stuff, opening up gateways. And uh, look, all this stuff is real, and that's the problem. People, people that don't have a supernatural worldview, then none of this fits because they look at it. Well, it's just you know a bunch of people they're out partying, nothing really happened. There's way too many witnesses with Mothman. I mean, hundreds of people saw this thing uh, over a period of of a year. And then you got the collapse of the bridge, which is bizarre. I mean, that whole deal where witnesses said they saw a Mothman uh, flying, uh, you know, over the bridge right after, right before the thing collapsed. You know, stuff, you know what I mean? Stuff, stuff has happened. All we need to do is pick up our Bibles and realize that uh, the supernatural is all too real. But most Christians, even though they're born again, let's say, or even though they go to church, they really don't have a supernatural worldview. They really don't believe that these things can manifest, that these things are real. Yeah, I think our pastors are too stuck in their like, you know, three point sermons on how to have a better marriage, which, you know, we need to hear those things, too. But, uh, you know, at some point, you know, we, we, we need to put on the big boy pants and talk about some of this, you know, serious stuff that's going on here. Before we get to Mound Builders, give us a personal update. Uh, I understand that you're in California now, and I've been watching, of course, all the coverage about the fires uh, going again. And I said to my wife, I said, how much more can burn? I mean, at some point, it, it's like maybe all the forests would be burned and this would be over and then they'd start, you know, uh, building back again. But uh, these, these, uh, especially just north of, uh, of the uh, L.A. area into Santa Clarita in the canyon country and, and that fire. Yeah. Um, are these fires still uh, going on right now? Have they contained them? And what, what is this arson? I've heard talk that maybe this, there's arson behind some of this. Well, the fires are contained. Um, whether, or whether or not they're, they're starting by ISIS, there's a thing on Drudge Report where ISIS is talking about starting forest fires in America. I mean, I get that. And when the Santa Ana's blow, and I've lived here for 45 years, uh, the nutcases sometimes come out and the pyros and they start fire, forest fires. It's happened more than once. Um, our, for our fire, which by the way, yesterday was the first year anniversary. November 9th is when we lost our home in California. Hmm. And I'm sitting in a trailer that's parked on our home, uh, on the homestead. We have two acres way up in the Santa Monica mountains and we lost everything. Jerry Brown recently went on the record and was ranting and raving about, oh, the blood is on your hands, oh, California, blah, 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 you know, you have a federal thing. Excuse me, Mr. Brown, you guys have ruined the state. The Democratic majority in Congress, the state Congress, the state legislator, has ruined this state. When I moved here and Reagan was, was governor, um, they had fire breaks, they had controlled burns, all that's gone. All that's gone. So the environmentalists have come in, and you can't kill this by the tree newt. God forbid we do that. You may endanger the, the, the rare and elusive spotted tree newt. I'm just making this up, of course. But uh, never mind the 800 homes that burn. Somehow we don't count, but the spotted tree newt does. And this is the problem. When Trump gets up and says that California has not managed its forest, he's totally right. He's absolutely 100% right. There are no, there are no breaks anymore uh, in the mountains. There are no fire breaks in the mountains. There are no controlled burns. And see, that's what they used to do. There used to be fire breaks everywhere because they know that when the fire burns uphill, right, when it gets to the top, that's the time where they can get a fire line up there with the trucks and the men, and they can put the thing out. And that's what they used to do. That's what they used to do. But all that's gone. And when when the fire came here, there were, you know, maybe 100 fire trucks down on Zuma Beach sitting there watching the fire burn. 
And uh, there's a guy up here who was a, a fire guy. And along with two other people, they put out they put out three or four houses up here with shovels. That's how they did it. Hmm. They just came up here on their, you know, against, they probably violated rules or regulations. Who knows? But the bottom line was they put out three or four houses. But here's the deal. You know, anybody who would rebuild up here with a wood stick frame home, conventional building, is out of their minds. It's just going to burn again. Now, I bought a house that was already built. The house was built in the 50s. It was a, it was a stick frame, you know, wood frame, conventional um, deal. So we investigated this stuff, and we discovered this company called Gigacrete, G-I-G-A, Crete, Gigacrete. And it is the home of the future, it literally, in my opinion. It's metal studs with six-inch rigid foam, which goes in between the metal studs. And then there's this special coating, which goes on the inside and the outside, which that's what the guess what's patented. That's the Gigacrete. And it, it goes rock hard. And basically, you can sit there with a blowtorch, <laughs> For like four hours, 1700 degrees for four hours hmm. before it fails. Where drywall fails in about six minutes, six minutes drywall fails. Okay. The gig increase, four hours, 1700 degrees. It's a fireproof home. Same thing with the roof. You put a metal roof on the thing and you can design anything you want. We designed, I, I actually drew up the plans for it. So in my opinion, gigacrete.com, gigacrete.com, I'm giving them a shout out, but this is the home of the future, in my opinion. And it's, it's about a third of the price as a conventional home. It goes up really quick and all the panels are, are pre-drilled for, um, um, for, for pipes and for wire. I mean, it's absolutely. So it's almost like some kind of a, a, a kit home. Like you could just put it together like one of these general steel buildings. It, it's like that, except it's custom because you drew it up. I mean, I drew this thing up. Huh. So there's no other home like it because I drew this thing up. And it's, it's not just a little, you know, box. I mean, we've got gables and, and pop-outs and all sorts of cool things and wonderful windows. I mean, this thing will probably go up within, like, two weeks. I'll have the, the entire show and the roof on within two weeks. I and, mean, you know, like two weeks, when, when, right do you, when do you start the project? Uh, do you have to get a permit or anything? Or? Well, I'm, I'm still I'm, well, I'm still in plan check. We're, we've got uh, regional planning approval. We've got health approval. We're waiting for fire to sign off on it then it goes in the plan check and they'll you know look at our drawings and red line stuff and tell us we got to do a b and c and we'll do that and comply look i've lived here for 40 years it's home and i i love the fact that the lord moved us to a landing place which was oklahoma and it's been great there but you know i have two acres up here in santa monica mountains Man, I've lived here for, like I said, 45 years. It's home. Yeah, I mean, and that, talk about a, right now, <laughs> talk about a culture you. shock going from Malibu to the outskirts yeah. of Oklahoma City. I mean, you I know, love I love the people in know, Oklahoma City, but that's just, I mean, for you, that's a, <laughs> a culture shock. I I would bet it it, it would be worse than um, Green Acres, uh, the the uh, wife on Green Acres, <laughs> what she went through. Well, Darling, yeah, I, I love you, but I, give I, me I Park Avenue. If, if Oklahoma had an ocean, I'd be there in a New York minute. The people are wonderful. The food is fantastic. You know, there's only 900,000 people in Oklahoma City area versus 19 million in L.A. But, you know, I got here, like I said, 45 years ago. Where we were, was it was like Appalachia up here. I mean, it was the boondocks. No one came up here. So in the last 30 years, there's been like, I don't know, 10 homes added or whatever. 
everybody's got an acre, minimum an acre. Most have two to five acres. We have two acres. And, and it's home. You know, I just, I just, I, I love California. I love the climate. And uh, I love the fact that I'm by the ocean. And uh, I hate the politics. What can I say? Well, let me, <laughs> let me circle back. Let me let me circle back to the mound builders. Yeah, let's get into that uh, last. We got about twenty minutes, yeah. so so let's do the mound builders. Okay. Uh, and and let me start by telling you that I had somebody who sent me a, a really critical email about you. And uh, they said that you and I don't know our Bible because if we knew our Bible, we would know that all of these giants were all wiped out by the flood and that uh, we're ignorant of the Bible. And I responded back to him. I said, well, how do you explain the skeletal remains that have been carbon dated that are from recent history? Uh, no response <laughs> to that email. But uh, that was uh, that was something I got, I think, on Wednesday of this past week. Well, with all due respect to the person who wrote that, they have no clue about their Bible because that's who's in the promised land. The Nephilim are on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God saw the daughters of men had children by them, these were the great men of renown. And they populated the uh, the promised land. And they were there for a specific reason. And even God, when he taps out Abraham, when Jesus taps out Abraham, says, you know, you're going to be a great nation and the Messiah is going to come to you. All nations will be blessed. But you're going to get on Egypt for four years until the sin of the Amorites comes into fullness. And that the Amorites are a Nephilim tribe. So, you know, this guy doesn't know his Bible with all due respect. They were there. And these giants and, and other entities left. They, that's why, if, unless you understand that, then, then God, the God of the Old Testament is some maniacal, capricious, sadistic, murderous God that would have the Israelites go in and wipe out men, women, and children and all the animals and burn everything in the promised land. That doesn't make any sense. In fact, that's exactly the passage that, that Richard Dawkins, who's an, Arwin, an ardent Darwinist, uses to basically castigate the Christian worldview. But he doesn't know his Bible either, and most people don't know the fact that the reason why that mandate comes out there is because these are not human people. These are hybrid entities known as the Nephilim. The Anakim, the Rephaim, the Zanzumim, the Emims, all different uh, tribes uh, of the Nephilim, denoting perhaps different genetic characteristics. So they were here before and afterwards. They were here in the Americas. Um, we've got proof of that. There's, uh, and, we, and we show it in all three films. These were highly charged sites. Uh, uh, we, we're kind of circling back to the DNA episode four, like I was talking about, which will be out probably um, around Christmas, maybe right after Christmas. I don't want to rush it, but it's almost done. But the reason why we're doing a DNA, because it all, everything circles back. It all hails back to the deception of the prince of the power of the air. It all goes back to, to uh, the dark side, Hell's Kitchen, Satan, the dragon. That's where it all is sourced from. And so the DNA, while you say, what does it have to do with the mound builders? It's got everything to do with the mound builders, because the Paracas people show up, uh, these elongated skull people show up 3,500 years ago, out of nowhere. And their DNA, which is the whole purpose of, of the film, points back to a Middle Eastern slash European origin. And that just rewrites history. I mean, it just does all day long. But the mound builders are, are so mysterious because they just vanish, like the Anasazi, like the people in Peru, where um, uh, Corral, the people who built Corral, like the people who built Teotihuacan. It's all, they all just disappear in the history. No one knows what happened. So modern-day archaeologists, this has to do with Cyrus Thomas. Cyrus Thomas came up with the idea 
uh, at the turn of the last century that, you know, um, the Native Americans built all these mountains, but they just forgot that they had done so. And when I say that <laughs> live, and, yeah, exactly, that's the reaction I get from the audience. The audience just howls with laughter because it's an absurd statement. And yet that is what is taught to the archaeological, anthropological, anthropological community. That's what they're taught in school. Well, Native Americans built all these things, but they just forgot. But here's, and we talked about this the last time, and I have not done a film on it, but we allude to it um, in all three films, the fact that these sites, the Great Serpent Mound, America's Stonehenge, which that'll be number five and number six in the series. We've already got the, we've already got all the footage. I just got to go in and edit it. So that's five and six, America's Stonehenge. 4,000-year-old site in New Hampshire, and there's a stone there that was written in Proto-Phoenician, which says, okay, to Baal of the Canaanites. And I'll just leave it at that. Hmm. So so here's the deal. Yeah, unbelievable. So so these sites are built on an 18-and-a-half-year lunar cycle, including Stonehenge in America, Stonehenge, England, um, the Great Serpent Mound. Many of these sites are built on an 18-and-a-half-year lunar cycle. And I think the last time I was on the show, you and I, kind of talked about it. So people go, well, what what does that have to do with anything, LA, an 18-and-a-half-year lunar cycle? First of all, how would you know that the moon is on an 18-and-a-half-year cycle? You wouldn't know that. 5,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, you know, how, how did, where did that information come from? So someone gets up and goes, you know, the moon seems to be moving around pretty much all the time. I want to track it. Okay, we'll do that. So you've got no, you've got no telescopes, no, um, you know, no instruments to to actually look at the moon, and you've got no writing skills and no computers to crunch the data. So you're just out there, and you're and you put a stake in the ground with another stake, and you sight that maybe on a on a mountaintop, which is a mile away. And so you've got a sight line there, and the moon comes up, and you make a notch on the stick, and then the moon, uh, you know, wax uh, begins to wax and and, and wane. Um, and, and sets and you make another mark there. So how do you how do you process that data? That's day one. So day two and three and four, you do this for about 50 days. But how do you process the data? How do you record the data? And moreover, and this is what's mind boggling, you don't know where you are in the 18 and a half year lunar cycle. And this is where it goes off the rails. You don't know whether you're in, in year three, year five, year 17, year one. You have no idea where you are. And you're just you're just looking at the moon. But guess, guess what? On day 51, there's a a, 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 na- a nasty storm front comes in, and for five days you can't track the moon. You don't know where it is because there's a cloud cover. You can't see the moon. It's completely hidden from sight. So what do you do? You lost five days. You how do you? And then moreover, how do you track that? How do you process the data? And then how would you know after? Oh my gosh, look, we're on day one. I remember this day. How would you know that? So this is the great secret, Chaco Canyon, which I'm reading about now. Same thing, built on an 18 and a half year lunar cycle. In my opinion, and the Book of Enoch states it, once again, if you don't have a supernatural worldview, you'll just throw this out. But the Book of Enoch states that a fallen angel called Sariel came down and showed mankind the course of the moon, the lunar cycle. It's right there in the Book of Enoch. Right there in Book of Enoch 1. I think it's chapter six or seven. I'm not sure, but it's right there. Sariel taught the lunar cycle to mankind. That's where it came from. It was given. It was handed to us because you'd be hard pressed to do this. If you and I tried to do this right now, we'd give up. 
without you know without well right and and then the other question the, the other question this begs is why would you do it i mean it it does it doesn't seem like there's What's the point right i mean okay i'm gonna do this and maybe if i figure this out i get a million dollars in bitcoin <laughs> You know, but there's what's the payoff? <laughs> what's the payoff if you figure this calculation out? I mean, and and you think people would have bigger fish to fry? No pun intended. Like hunting and and fishing and and gathering, uh, you know, food for their their winter and surviving and all the other issues. And these mounds are are everywhere. I was reading that there's some of those in Florida here, where I am. Yeah, there was um. We actually talked about this in the, in the first Mound Builders film. There was a there was a guy who, as a child, went out to this huge midden mound. And it was also a burial site, and he came on the record. He said, "I was a child. I was about you know eight or nine years old, and we went out to a place called Tick Island, which now, is, of course, is a a national heritage site. You can't go there, but um, it was Tick Island, and they were out there, and they uncovered." Uh, giants, and they didn't know what they were looking at. This is like in the 60s. They didn't know. This is well before NAGPRA, and they had one of the largest uh, arrow collection and artifacts in all of Florida. But they're out there digging up these skeletons, and he told me that the femur bone, the thigh bone of the giant, right, would come up to his waist. That's how big this thing was. He's nine years old. Wow. He said these things were he said these things were 10 to 12 feet. And he sent me the family's um, eight millimeter film that was taken. And I digitized it and looked through it. And unfortunately, um, the mother wasn't interested in the skeletons. But when the archaeologist came out there, there's a shot of an elongated skull. And we show that in the film. So there was an elongated skull that was in one of the burial mounds. And the archaeologist is, you know, hamming it up for the camera, turns around, takes his brush, brushes the skull skull off. And then it's only there for maybe five, seven, eight seconds in the film. But I caught it and it's definitely elongated. So, you know, it. and he talks about that. Uh, this this Mr. Berger guy uh, who was there as an eight year old, nine year old of the family. And he talks about the elongated skull people were in a different cemetery than the giants. And the giants were in sort of an obscure area. And they, they talked to the archaeologist and told him, there's giants here. And the archaeologist wasn't interested and never saw them, apparently. Never went there. Never never was interested in seeing the giants. I mean, you know, go figure, right? But, yeah, uh, I mean, of all things, I mean, one. of all things, I mean, uh, okay, I know they're interested in dinosaurs and all that other stuff. But, I mean, super giant human beings, I mean, you, you would think of any uh, thing you would be interested in. And, and I know you've. Uh, discuss this with us before we're not talking about like nba size people we're talking about giants like their hands are giant they're 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 not just tall like yeah. minute bowl the skinny seven foot six guy from the NBA. these are yeah, huge yeah. human beings that every part huge. of them yeah. is uh is sized for their height so you're talking about 12 foot tall and a man who's 12 foot tall having hands and feet and a torso and legs that are all uh you know appropriately proportioned portion for that height, which is a massive, the word giant, of course, would apply. I'm, I'm looking here just online and like our whole state here in Florida, there's like little red dots. These are like everywhere in Florida. And I mean, how many of these are there around the whole United States? 
Well, they're everywhere, and, and most of it's controlled, and they realize that most people don't even care anymore. I mean, no one cares. It's a hidden history. And then you get people like me who are constantly, um, you know, let me let me just tell you a story. There's a there's a uh, an archaeologist. I won't mention the guy's name on the air, although he wrote had a disparaging um, YouTube video. And and Fritz Zimmerman and I uh, did a did a rebuttal to that. And it will, I'll probably post it this week on my uh, on my Acceleration Radio YouTube channel, also the blog. But he was saying that, oh, you know, Fritz Zimmerman and Ellie Marzilli were talking about giants at Graves Creek Mound in West Virginia. And here's the story. Fritz and I and my wife were in the, in the museum, and we photographed and filmed there. And uh, on the way out of the, the museum proper to go to the mound, there was a new little exhibit. And it was like just these bulletin boards that created, you know, the three of them. So they created like a triangle bulletin board. And my wife goes, oh, my gosh, look at this. And what it was, it was probably from Harper's Magazine um, at the turn of a, of a last century or well well in advance of that, like 1870, 1880, something like that. But it was a lithograph. It was a lithograph. And it showed the interior of the mound, which they had made into a museum. And there's normal-sized people there in the lithograph, but behind them, in the center of the lithograph picture is a giant skeleton, which is there, which is openly displayed. Okay, mm. so guess what the museum did? The museum, and this was in our film, they got wind of the film. Now there's these huge signs at the museum. There are no such thing as giants. No giants were found in this mound. They took, they took the picture, the lithograph, and they photoshopped it, just like you did in Catalina where they cut the giant out of the picture in Catalina. I remember you telling the story about yeah. Catalina and you have the yeah. you have the picture of yeah, that they, picture they, uh but you that was in your video. Yeah. In the video they redacted the giant out of the picture and that went viral also. So this guy and and was so funny on his YouTube channel, somebody caught it and said, "Wait a minute, the picture in LA LA Marzulli's film isn't the same one that you showed. They're two different pictures." Hello, it's exactly right. The guy's completely disingenuous. They photoshopped the picture, Jim, and this is this is what's called damage control. So it's supposed these guys are supposed to be scientists, right? They're supposed to be telling us what the truth is. No, they have a paradigm to uphold. They have an end game, and anything that goes against their existing paradigm, which is by the way their religion, they throw out. So anything like ancient Hebrew writing, ancient Phoenician writing. Big, huge giant stones, mounds, you know, advanced geometry, trigonometry, advanced surveying techniques, all of which we unveil in these three films. And people go, what's, who cares? What's so important? Watch film number three, Secrets from the Supernatural, Voices from the Other Side will blow your mind. In fact, we've had people come on the record and say, L.A., that film should be shown at every single church in America. And you know what it should be? Absolutely should be, because it shows that these are Nephilim sites that they're highly charged. We've got pastors that come on the record. I mean, all this stuff, what happened to us on one of the sites was unbelievable. What happened to Henry Groover, who passed away just a few months ago, God rest his soul, what a wonderful man. What happened to Henry Groover, who gives that account on, on record, and Wesley Sangiorgi, our CGI guy, does an incredible job of bringing it to life, is, is mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. And then we show the Mayan elders who were doing a ritual on the serpent mound in, in 2012 to usher in the ancient ones. 
they were unlocking the gate that's there. Serpent mound. Hello. And the church sivers, the church won't deal with it, but we are. And you know what? And all these conferences we go to is a remnant that are hungry for this stuff because they know they're not being given the whole thing. And just like the guy circling back to that guy who wrote, you know, a rebuttal of what we were talking about, that we don't know our Bibles. The bottom line is most people don't know their Bibles and don't realize that it all hails back to Genesis 3.15, the seed of the dragon, the offspring of the dragon, will be at war, enmity, with the offspring, the seed of the woman. He, the Messiah, will crush the dragon's head, and the dragon will bruise his heel. And that sets up the rest of the biblical narrative, Jim. Yeah, and what's fascinating to me, like you said, is how it's there clearly something's being covered up here because there there are just too many of these mounds. I, I mean, as you laid it out, I mean, just one element of it, it, it just to the actual amount of physical dirt and it, you would need to create yeah. some of these mounds. I mean, how, how do you do that without modern machinery? Even if you did have modern machinery, this would be uh, quite a feat to be able to produce these mounds. And just to type in, in, well, in Florida, I mean, like, I, I, I don't, I mean, Florida is a pretty populated state. I bet you I could walk around tomorrow in a, in a busy uh, shopping mall near my house and nobody would know about these mounds. And according to this map I'm looking at, they're like everywhere. There's like 18 or 20 of them marked on this map and probably nobody even knows they exist. And I, I, I totally concur with what you're saying. I remember the first time I saw the Great Circle Mount in Newark, Ohio. Uh, the guy who was driving me around had lived there for 18 years. And he said, oh, yeah, I drive by that thing every day, but I've never been there. And, uh, Jim, I'll never forget it. And, and this is Russ Dizdar who, who led me to that. And then I, I got to Fritz Zimmerman's book. That's how all that happened. That's why we're on the trail of the Nephilim. That's why we're doing what we're doing. It opened up a whole a whole field of study that I didn't even know existed before. So I walk into the Great Circle Mound, okay? And remember, I've never never been there. And I walk up this asphalt path, and there's some signage, you know, Great Circle Mound built by the Hopo Indians, and that doesn't mean anything to me. I have no idea who, who Hopo was uh, at that moment. But after more research, Hopo was just a farmer. They had no idea who built the thing. They just named it after Hopo the farmer. But they had no idea who the people actually were that built it. So they just make stuff up. And, uh, you know, when you call them to account, they they kind of get nervous. Anyway, so I'm walking up this asphalt path, and I turn, and in front of me is the entrance of the Great Circle Mound. And I, I walked up to it, and my jaw just dropped. And I just sat there, and every cell in my body vibrated. I had goosebumps and just sat there for, he stood there for, I don't know, three, five, ten minutes just staring at it and just and just going, oh, my gosh, what am I looking at? Since then, I've been back to the Circle Mound more times than I can count, been to the Serpent Mound three times, and, and we're on the trail. We're on the trail. And the Great Circle Mound um, has a moat inside of it. And we, we get into this in Mathematical Mysteries of the Mound Builders, uh, where this this moat in the inside is basically dead level. We hired a surveyor. Now, I don't know if anybody else has done this. You know, I mean, this is the first thing you would think of doing. How do they make a moat in the ancient world 4,000 years ago? You know, how, how would you do that when there's no water source by? And how do you how do you channel the water? And how do you make this thing level? And what the surveyor, Todd Willis, discovered was this thing is basically dead level within six inches to a foot. And that can be easily accounted for just, you know, a couple of thousand years of silt 
and and leaves and debris falling into the thing. For all practical purposes, this thing was dead level. How do you do? And it's one thing, you know, if I was making a small little mount, you know, moat a couple of feet deep, twenty feet wide, this thing is twelve hundred feet wide. Wow, twelve hundred feet. Well, you know, the, the diameter, about twelve hundred feet. Okay, it's huge, and. Then you move over to the, the part of it, which is called the Great Octagon Mound, and that's, that was part of the Nork, the whole Nork Mounds complex. And that mound encompasses 50 acres, 50 acres, the Octagon Mound, 50 acres. It's a complex octagon. It's not just eight equal sides, and they did that deliberately. It's an unequal octagon. This we're talking advanced geometry here, and you can't you can't see it unless you're high above in the air. You doesn't. You don't even know what you're looking at when you're on. That's the why I love those drone, no those uh, drone shots that you've been doing in drone, recent movies. Yeah, the drone shots. The drone shots are incredible. So you know, this is look. I'm not making this stuff up, and we just keep piling on the evidence, piling on the evidence. Um, one of the mounds which we did, Poverty Point, three hundred ninety thousand tons of earth. What does that mean to us? How about twenty eight million, twenty eight million thirty bucket, thirty pound buckets of earth. How about that? Wow. 28 million 30-pound buckets of earth. So you're trying to tell me, and that's just one mount. And then there's this one place called Fort Ancient. We show this in the film where if you were to deconstruct all three and a half miles of, of these of these earthen walls, which, you know, they, they it's not a fort. It was a temple. They have no idea what it was. They just make stuff up. It was ritualistic. There's no doubt about it. It was built by the Nephilim and the Fallen Angels. Fallen Angel technology, Nephilim architecture. That's what it is, in my opinion. And also, they say there's 67 gates. We believe that there were 66 gates originally. 66. And they just didn't like that number because it, it has implications. So anyway, if, if you were to deconstruct three and a half miles of these earthen walls, you would wind up with 200 miles of dump trucks end-to-end, end-to-end filled with dirt, 200 miles. In other words, one, one dump truck is right next to the other one, just in a big line, a big conga line of dump trucks touching mm. each other, 200 miles of dump trucks to deconstruct that mound. And we're supposed to believe that Native Americans did this with digging sticks and clamshell hose and hose made out of the shoulder bone of a deer and, and flint hose? Are you kidding me? And there's 10,000 mounds in Ohio alone? You're trying to tell me all these people did is make mounds all day? Makes no sense at all. Yeah, a Makes lot of no questions sense. here. And, and I love the movies. The quality of the movies continues to get Thank better you. and better. And the, the drone shots Thank are you. exciting. So in our final minute, take our final minute. Tell people all the ways they can tap into you, your products, and any upcoming speaking events. It's uh, lamarzulli.net, lamarzulli.net. Like you said, we got a great deal right now. You can get all three, the first three of the Mound Builders series, uh, Mysterious Mound Builders, Mathematical Mysteries of the Mound Builders, and Secrets of the Supernatural for $29.99. net. You know, get informed, folks. You know, get, invite a bunch of unsafe friends over and show this stuff. And you know what? It'll blow your mind. It'll absolutely blow your mind, especially if you live near any of this stuff. You go, oh, my God, I had no idea this was happening. net. Uh, I'll be speaking at Alien Snowfest. That's the next uh, speaking engagement. That's right here uh, up in Big Bear Mountain in California. It's at the end of January. Go to the blog. All the speaking schedule is there. i got seven things, I think, lined up right now. So hope to see you at some of these conferences. And, um, Jim, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, hey, and and be sure and stay in touch with us. And uh, 
I don't know if you're going to do another GoFundMe to build the new house or anything like that. Let us know so we no, can put no. the, the word out. I appreciate that. Uh, and and also, no, no, we're not. We're, we're not going to. We're not going to do a GoFundMe to build a new house. We're okay. No worries. And then also, um, maybe like some videos of that as it's going up. I think that would be really interesting. I well, would love to share those. Uh, we're gonna. We're definitely going to do that and show people what's going on because this GigaCrete, in my opinion, is the home of the future. Folks, check it out, GigaCrete.com, GigaCrete.com. It's revolutionary. It, it changes the way people build. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like they need to do something different than what they've been doing, and that uh, sounds like a great answer. Ellie, thanks again, sir, for being with us. We greatly appreciate it. net is the website where you can get all of his videos and uh, stay in touch with him. His blog is lamarzuli.wordpress.com. Great interview. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope my voice held up, and we'll be back with you next Sunday night because, remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.